0: The free for all Roundtable,
1: brought to you by Lexus Vaughan, Canada's newest Lexus dealer near Canada's wonderland in the Maple auto mall. Luxury is closer than you think.
2: Round one
1: on round one. Jerry Agar is here. The Jerry Agar show airs from 10 to noon. Courtney Betty from Betty's law, as you might imagine, he's a lawyer. Anne Marie Akins, media and crisis communications leader. Good morning to y'all. Let me start nice. with the green party winning in Canada. Uh, kitchener and um courtney betty that means why they've doubled their representation in the house
3: well I, I think it's kind of interesting john because you know that was an ndp seat um issues arose there i think with the sitting member laura may lindell and this is the result and i'm wondering john is this a start of a sort of a revolt against the other parties right now we'll find out Okay, Jerry Agar, with
1: all due respect to Mike Schreiner, who's a good and decent fellow and a frequent contributor here, I've never been able to understand what the Greens are for. They're for um, having a job. Well, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he stands for good public policy.
2: I just don't know why. Like, if I was in the voting booth, I wouldn't think got to vote Green. Well, uh, I'll tell you, the Conservatives are celebrating this because they're saying, look, if if there's going to be some sort of green wave, which is what Schreiner called it, but I guess if you increase by 100%, that's a wave. Uh, And she's now deputy leader, by the way. Really? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to go pick her up in a Miata. so uh, In an EV Miata. And so um, the, the Conservatives are looking at this and thinking, if there's any gain for the Green Party, where does it come from? Not the Conservatives. It comes from the Liberals in the NDP. And one conservative uh, said, um, I was looking at the Queens Park Observer, and she quoted a conservative uh, saying, this could mean five ridings for us that we otherwise wouldn't have won if there's going to be some sort of green wave. Ann Marie Eakins, your thoughts?
0: Well, I guess I have two thoughts. I'm thinking that uh, the progressives are splitting their vote, and we have to uh, the, the progressive community in itself has to decide um, to get their act together or it'll just keep splitting the vote and they'll never be in power at all. None of them. So they have to figure that out. Um, the other thing that it's thinking about, it's not the Kitchener riding, but there was another election last night in uh, Scarborough and they had a change as well. So it kind of, I had, they kind of, they elected a progressive uh, over, The uh, Gary Crawford, uh, who uh, stepped down to run. And he, um, it, he was traditionally, a cons- um, you know, much more conservative in his policy. So um, there was some change happening, like Courtney says. And I think, like Jerry says, the, that uh, the splitting of the vote only benefits the conservatives in the end.
1: Well, when you give monthly updates on a project that is four years behind schedule, you risk giving the same update every single month. And yesterday, the CEO of Metrolink said, no, still can't tell you when the Eglinton Crosstown is going to open. Although uh, Anne Marie, I'll start with you. I, you. I guess you're sort of unleashed now. You used to be the official spokesperson for MetroLink, so the people who are in the process of bringing us the crosstown. Um, he says they're 97 percent of the way there.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think I'm. I, I'm glad you gave that uh, caveat. Uh, uh. Uh, John and I'd like to strengthen the caveat in that it feels like five minutes ago to the to the general public that I was at MetroLinks, including the woman that did my mammogram the other day. She uh she thought I was still there so she um uh, you know I have to make sure that I distinguish that that I'm not there anymore and I haven't been there in almost a year. so I don't have any intel of what's actually happening but he did do exactly what he said, which was to give us an update in three months. so he he uh, the CEO has given us an update. And the update is that we he still doesn't have a firm date because he hasn't got reassurance, it appears. And when uh, when he does have that some reassurance, we're going to have three months' notice, it looks like. But I can see the trains uh, um, uh, t- continuing to test. They're going very slow. Um, as uh, Joseph had commented to me, they seemed that the trains seem to be going very slow, which tells me the TTC are probably testing on them, and uh, they have to go very slow when they're testing. So that's the good news. It means they're being trained and ready to take it over. Yeah, Courtney, Betty,
1: another reason they might be going slowly is because when they went at the regular pace in Ottawa, they came off the rails. Is Courtney there? No,
2: has he disappeared, or he hit the mute button? All right, Jerry. Well, uh, the the greatest thing you could do working for the public is to be honest, direct and transparent with the public, even if you're uncomfortable with the answer you have to give. I mean, I'm more irked by the fact that they won't even talk to us about it than I am. And I'm irked enough about the fact that they're four years behind. I mean, this whole thing has just been a a debacle. I mean, you don't have to answer this question, I guess, Anne-Marie, but God, it must have been tough to defend that
3: corporation. (laughs) Well, you know, know, John, here's the thing, right? I'm looking right now, right? Here's a project. It was initially projected to cost $4.6 billion to complete it by 2020. We're now in 2023. We have an increase of $5.6 billion. I just don't understand why we accept this as a city. I think the board should go. And I think we really look at this whole concept of public-private partnership, where these companies, in my view, are milking the system. A lot of the construction and all of that that we're facing now in Toronto, including the destruction of communities along Eglinton Avenue, it's ridiculous. Like, at what point do we say enough is enough? And I think the premier should step in on this and say, we need to look at what's going on here. It has to come to an end. This is ridiculous. It may be the premier who's one of the people who's keeping them from talking to us. Could be. I don't Uh, know. I mean, More than likely, more than likely. But I think at some point, you know, you you think of all the chaos that we have in our city and all the things that we continually talk about. This was intended to solve it. And it has an incredible impact. And where's all this money going and who's getting all this money? Those are questions. We need to look at finding a way. I know they did it in Ottawa, looking at this issue and trying to examine why did it take so long for them. We need to have a similar uh, approach here in Toronto, and it needs to happen soon.
1: There's an awful lot we don't know about a suspect who's been arrested in Morocco in connection with a series of bomb threats here in Ontario. But I guess if we can draw any conclusions, Jerry Igar, it would be that uh, it's a whole new era for bomb threats.
2: Well, is this guy just a nut who calls in bomb threats in various different countries from one country to another? Or is he a dangerous individual? I mean, he's he's a a nuisance, no doubt. But has he actually planted any bombs? Well, it may have been a, a, you know, a shakedown operation. Apparently he was asking for money. The, the only uh, sort of understandable reason for calling in a false bomb threat is because you didn't study for the exam. you know. But uh, other than that, like, uh, what is this guy up to? He's in different countries calling in bomb threats. And Courtney, Betty, with the tech that is available these days, uh,
1: I'm actually surprised they were able to identify him. Maybe he's not very good at this.
3: Well, he probably isn't, John, because you're absolutely correct with the technology that's there. I mean, I've had some situations... Uh, you know, in cases with Metro police, and it almost becomes impossible to track these individuals down. So um, whatever they've done, they've got to keep doing it. It's not just this case, but many other cases where individuals are, you know, using some sort of VPN and making these calls and you can't track them down.
1: And Anne-Marie Akins, if it wasn't an orchestrated shakedown, then it's just somebody doing it for thrills, in which case, you know, people anywhere on the entire planet can do this.
0: Well, it, well, it's true, but I think uh, I think it's probably evidence that the fact that the police were able to track him down, um, as um, Courtney says, they're probably amateurs. So they that they just do it. They're doing it for some sort of um, I don't know thrill. But uh, as Jerry said, they're probably uh, pretty nuts that they they do this kind of thing as a. You know they need to get busy and do other stuff, but uh, to do this kind of stuff constantly. But I, I am always amazed at. Um, again, there are usually just amateurs. They're doing it for the social media, posting. You know when they would post pictures of them riding the top of the train, and they could. The, it, it, they can be tracked down. They uh, they leave uh, cyber fingerprints everywhere, and the police can track them down fairly easily. But the professionals. No, they, they know how to cover their fingerprints. Randall
1: Denley says if Doug Ford is going to end the beer store, then he should finish the mission and end the LCBO. That must be music to your ears, Jerry.
2: Yeah. Um, I, I don't understand why anybody thinks it's a good idea to have the government as a monopoly controller of what is just, in in the end, another business. I mean, uh, if if you think it's a fabulous idea to have the government run a business, I'll take you back to our conversation about Metrolinx. I mean, it, it, the, there's nowhere you can point where the government is efficient, does a fabulous job and a better job than if we were to say, we're just going to open it up and, John, you and I could retire from radio and open john and jerry's liquor store i think that would be a very dangerous situation
1: (laughs) courtney betty i do have to say i like 2.6 billion dollars a year
3: well that's it it's all about the money john but it's also the whole approach of dictating what you are able to acquire and that's the power really of the LCBO. They decide what goes on the shelf. And I think if we begin to open up, we're going to see a lot more variety. And who knows, we might see some competition and changes in prices. Can I just quickly say
2: something before you go to Anne-Marie here? Um, You're talking about their profits. They have a 38% profit margin. I think it's their 38% profit margin. People are mad at the grocery stores for a 3.6% profit margin. Yeah, I was planning on digging into that figure because I think Randall Denley
1: has factored the profit margin plus the taxes because they both go to the government.
2: Well, that's right. But you'd get the taxes anyway, but, right. uh, but they have a healthy profit margin, even if you take the taxes out of it. Now, I'd like to see the distilled. Well, the Globe and Mail actually did an article on that not long yeah. ago. I was reading it this morning. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ann Marie Akins, your thoughts?
0: I, I just don't know where they would replace uh, that uh, two points, however many billions of dollars they make at the LCBO. Um, I, where would they replace that? They got to, it. Go, if it goes into our tax coffers, we don't have to pay um, taxes as a result of it. So that's a lot of money to replace. And number two, I really
2: do like the LCBOs. I really like them. Okay, but if that's what we're going to do, Anne-Marie, why don't we have the government just take over all business?
0: Oh, well, that, you know, I think you have to, it, it's a, one of those sin taxes. Remember when we used to do the sin taxes where they, uh, they we still do those? It's one of those, it's not food, it's a, It's a alcohol. It's not something, it's, a, it's an entertainment kind of thing. So, so it is kind of different, but they did, you know, when they legalized cannabis, they didn't take over. They initially did, but then have opened it up to the free market then and, and we saw what happened to our neighbourhoods. Uh, Not a lot
1: of time on the clock. Courtney, Betty, what do you make of Althea Raj's column where she says increasingly MPs are acting out just because they want to collect video and put it on social media? They're not, for example, if they're at an inquiry, they're not interested in the answer. They're more interested in themselves asking the question.
3: Well, John, it's just a show. It's a theater. That's what we're seeing right now. We're seeing actors that are playing out a game depending on what they can harness on social media. That's what politics has, has become. And hopefully we won't be as bad as some of the other areas, Part, you know, the United States of America, for example.
1: Thank you all. Good to have you. That's our time. Uh, Jerry Agar, of course, will be back at 9.50 to tell us what's happening on the Jerry Agar Show. My thanks to Courtney Betty and Anne-Marie Akins as well. Catch the round table. Round one at 745. Round two at 845. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.